0: you got me how's that sound all right perfect I just told AJ it's like getting his kid ready for school up here get the mic on me Get me all dusted off all right good morning people of God mighty men and women of valor I uh, I was preparing for this and uh, actually I was just going through some daily reading and some stuff that I listen to while I'm working and I came across an obscure text, you know, just something in the Old Testament. And uh, I was reading it, and it just impacted me. And, And the Lord just told me that He's got something for each of you. There's someone out there that needs to hear this. I needed to hear it, and it spoke to me. So, God, we just give you glory. We just invite you in here, Holy Spirit. We just ask you to speak to our hearts, cultivate the earth, the the dirt, the soil in our hearts so that you can plant deep, deep seeds that'll grow into amazing fruit. And we just praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, so uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 9. I'm going to go and dip into 8 and into 10, but if you stick to 9, you'll be good, okay? Uh, This is kind of, uh, I don't really title things, but uh, I would say that this is, I'm going to tell you a story. It's a story about some donkeys and a king, right? (laughs) Anyway, we'll we'll get to the donkeys, but the king will be King Saul, and uh, man, that guy had all kinds of problems, and he ended so poorly, and he's proof positive that it's not always how you start, it's how you finish that matters finishing matters, finish well, right? But Saul had an amazing start. His start was off the charts, it was incredible. So we're gonna talk about that. Um, first, I wanna welcome Pastor Jordan, Pastor Kira, and their family. I uh, I love these people. Uh, you may not know this, but I'm part Spencer. <laughs> they, they joke around. Uh, my wife and Jordan are cousins, so Jordan's told me since I've known him that I am part Spencer. So uh, uh, it's, good to, it's good to have my family back, you know. But uh, I also want to say that my first sermon here was in January of 2019. I've been invited in for almost four years now. And it has been the most amazing season of my life. And I've grown so much from you guys. And I believe in kingdom math. I believe that you sowed into me, and whatever God lets me do, you're going to reap the benefit. Right? So uh, I, just, uh, I just thank you for giving me a place and not throwing stuff at me, and, you know, when I get up here to tell you what's on my heart. but. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I also, I preach a lot out of the Old Testament. I realize that. That's not lost on me. I just started to look back at some of the things I've went over. And I'm like, man, you're just beating them to death with the old T, you know. And uh, I started to think, you know, like, we got to know the character of God. He does not change, right? So God is the Old Testament God and New Testament God. Now, the person in Jesus Christ is the new covenant, and that's what we live under. But it's important to know the character and the person of God and the people of God is the big thing that we're trying to get our arms around. They've got all these proclivities and little things that uh, that they're used to doing, that's habitual, that just never seems to end. So the heart of the people of God, even though we're in the new covenant, we're still some old Testament living people in our hearts, you know? So it's good to talk about this. It is the full counsel of God. So we preach the whole Bible here, right? Uh, if you're a flipper or scroller, I said first Samuel nine, uh, and, uh, I just, uh, what I really want to bleed through is the providence and dominion of our God to establish and complete his will while not interfering with our free will. That's a, that's a load, right? Like God can do what he wants to do and he can still allow you to have your choice. That's important. That is a theological pillar for this. Like, you are free people. You are more free than anyone else in the world because you have Christ Jesus, right? But you are free to choose, and you are free to do as you want. But God's plan and his will will happen, okay? It will happen, and he will use you as a part of what he's doing. Uh, You can choose to be a part of it, choose not to be a part of it, but his will and providence goes on, okay? So this is a story about that. I want to give you a little historical background for note takers out there because uh, we got to be learning, not just preaching. So uh, Samuel, uh, the book of First and Second Samuel, it's got the name of the great prophet on it. Um, so it's, it's logical to assume that he wrote it. Uh, The book of 1 Chronicles in 1 Chronicles 29.29 refers to the book of Samuel the seer. So, I mean, if he's referring to him, it's probably logical that he wrote it. However, all of 2 Samuel and a huge portion of 1 Samuel uh, deal with events and things that happened after Samuel's death. So, there's uh, scholars out there that believe that Abathar the priest had access to the royal records, and he put it all together and he wrote those. Then again, Samuel was a prophet, so he could have been writing about stuff in the future, but uh, it really doesn't matter to split hairs. Um, The word of God is absolute. Um, So he was a prophet and uh, this was amazing, just a huge turning point in the history of Israel. And uh, this is when the people of God were insisting on a united kingdom. And uh, we're going to see that Saul gets anointed as king. That was like 1050 BC, if you guys nerd out on timelines. Uh, He did 40 years. He reigned, Saul reigned 40 years. Uh, David also reigned 40 years. So uh, the first king and the second king. Uh, Theological framework. This is huge. Uh, so the books of first and Second Samuel give you the positive and the negative views of kingship, right? Like it, it introduces you to God's rule. God's providence over his people, God leading his people, and then the monarchy, really, the, the historical establishment of a ruling class that is by man. Uh, and that'll be forever changed when uh, Jesus comes as the Messiah. But this is uh, a turbulent time for the people of God because uh, they had Eli. Eli was a judge and he, he was also the high priest. And um, he was confirmed in a time, Eli, before Samuel, Eli was confirmed in a time when God wasn't really speaking to his people. And I, I have those times, I feel like. There's times when I'm like, man, like, I just cannot hear you, God. Like, can you imagine how frustrating that would be for the people of God to go that long without hearing the voice of God? But God was pouring into his prophets and his priests to, to do that. And it's almost as if he was preparing his people for the anointed ones that are to come. Like, uh, but, but Eli, he was, his sons were wicked. Um, they, they got in all kinds of trouble during the time of Eli. They lost the Ark of the Covenant to the Philistine army. The glory of God departed from the tabernacle uh, and Eli dies and Samuel begins his ministry. Uh, and and through Samuel, there was a revival in the land and through uh, Samuel, he became the judge uh, and and they got the ark back and there was peace and things were great. And God's hand was delivering. Well, there wasn't exactly peace, but they were winning. (laughs) So, uh, God delivered them from all kinds of trouble. And he was their leader and he was their mighty champion. God was the people's champion. So, uh, Samuel, though, he, he didn't do such a great job with his sons, and they weren't walking in his ways. They were It says here in the word that they turned aside to dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. So what happened is, is in the days, the judges would appoint another judge. They'd just be like, all right, well, I'm a judge, so it's going to be linear. It's going to go down. I'm going to appoint my sons. Uh, priests would do that. I take that back. The priests would appoint... And appoint in the family, judges would be selected. But Samuel said, I'm going to select my sons as judges. And the people, they saw that he was getting old. They saw that his sons were wicked. And they're like, yeah, I don't think I'm down with this. I don't think I want these wicked and terrible men who are seeking dishonest gain and bribes and perverting justice to rule over us, which is kind of actually humorous because they're saying, man, these people, they're bad. I don't really like the heart of man in these people. And I don't want them to rule over us and then just shortly after they're like uh we don't want god to rule us we want a king right? It's the same thing. The heart of man is desperately wicked. They just think that they want to choose who rules them. So, like I said, it's a turbulent time. Samuel's getting old. He's been faithful. They've been prospering. And the elders tell him, like, look, you're old. Make us a king that'll judge us like all other nations. Okay, so that'll lead us through chapter 8. I, uh, I think you should go through, Samuel. It's a quick and easy read. Do it on your own, uh, but hit, if you're if you're going to do it, hit the context of 8, 9, and 10. Uh, we're going to start here. I'm going to start at the bottom of 8 in verse 19. It says, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. So what happened there is they say, Samuel, we want a king. We want a king. We want a king, just like everybody else. And Samuel's like, oh man, like that breaks his heart. He's like, I've been killing it for you guys. God's delivering us. He's giving us all kinds of uh, favor and blessing. And we got the ark back. Everything's cool, man. Like, why do you want a king? And he's sitting there saying like, my sons are failing. I'm getting old. My whole lineage and in, in my legacy is failing. And he sits there and he goes to God and he's like, God. So Samuel took that personal is what happens here. Samuel took it personal, and he went to God, and he's like, God, what do I do? They want a king. Surely that's insane, right? And God says, yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So he says, yep. Heed their voice, Samuel. Heed their voice. And he's like, oh, man, are you kidding me? He goes, but God says, God tells him, he's like, listen, listen, tell them yes, Heed their voice, give them what they want, but you must warn them because that's what God does to God's people. God says, hey, you know, you want this. I understand you have free will. You can choose what you want, just like the Garden of Eden. I'm standing in the garden. Listen, all this is yours. You guys are rulers in in here, co-rulers. You're in paradise. Just don't touch that tree right? He tells you, he warns you, he lets you know, he sets up guard posts and tells you this far, no farther shall you go, but everything else is yours. He tells you, it's not a surprise, but he wants Samuel to tell the people, listen, if this is the behavior of a king. He's going to rule over you. He's going to take your sons. He's going to appoint them for their chariots to be his horsemen. He's going to appoint captains over thousands and thousands over his 50s, and some some will be stuck plowing the ground and reaping harvest. He's going to have other ones making weapons of war and chariots. Your daughters are going to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. and He's going to take the best of your fields, your vineyards and your groves, and he's going to make them all servants. And he's going to take a tenth of your grain and your vintage. And he's going to give it to his officers and all the people that serve him. He's going to take your male servants, your female servants, your finest men, and your donkeys. And he's going to put them to work. He's going to take a tenth of your sheep. And he will take your servants. And in, uh, and you will cry out in that day because your king whom you have chosen for yourselves and the Lord will not hear you in that day. So, That's a pretty big warning. He's like telling these people, listen to this. They're going to take everything. They're going to subjugate you, and they are going to rule over you. So far up until now, you have had God and God alone as your mighty warrior, your leader, your captain. He has been your glory and your protector. And you are asking for a person, a human person to do all that for you. So naturally, Samuel's hurt that it's not him to go on or his legacy to carry on as a judge. But these people want what they want. So I will say, footnote, God was not for this, okay? God is very involved in this, in the selection, choosing Saul. He's a huge part of making his will happen, but he allowed it to happen. He guided it, got involved, but this was not his will. He didn't want this. He wanted to rule his people. So like we said, Uh, Verse 19, they said, we want a king over us like all the other nations that they may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Man, I could see God sitting there just fuming like, are you kidding me? I have delivered you from so much. But one thing that I want to grab out of that in verse 19 is that the greatest imminent threat to our relationship with God is what other people think of you and you wanting, or me, or us, wanting to be like other people. That's the first thing. That's the first problem we have in this whole thing. The moment the people of God, the chosen people of God, start comparing each other with one another, with other churches, with other ministries, with other whatevers, the minute we start to take our eyes off what God is pouring into you right now, you are an imminent threat for your relationship to be disconnected from your God. These people were already wrong. They were already dismayed. They'd already been led astray right off the bat. Okay? So I want to guard against that. I want you to get your identity from God and God alone. I want you to get your mission from God and God alone. There are things in this room that God is only going to do right here, right now. Okay? So let's just hold on to that. Okay? So Samuel here's the word of the people. Heed their voice again, he tells them. Okay, so uh, we go down, and it says in verse 9, There will be a man of Benjamin, whose name was Kish, the son of Ab- uh, Abel, the son of Zeror, and the son of becherath and the son of Apiath. A Benjaminite, a, ma- a mighty man of power, and he had, choi- he had a choice and handsome son, whose name Saul. There were none more handsome Uh, There was not a more handsome person than among the children of Israel for his shoulders upward. He was taller than any of the people. All right, here's another problem. It says right there, there was a man of Benjamin. Okay, now he's talking about Kish, who's the father, Saul's father, and we're going to get into the donkeys, but uh, the man of Benjamin, and he was a choice person. And it's already leading us to the idea that uh, Saul is going to be, coming from that line, and we know immediately that in Psalm 133, I believe it says, I got so many notes I can, oh, Gen- Genesis 49, I'm so sorry. Genesis 49, it says that the uh, through Jacob, the sec- scepter shall not depart from Judah, right? So the God-ordained rule for his people was through Judah, and this is the tribe of Benjamin, okay? They're different tribes, this is God saying, All right, this isn't according to my plan, but let's see how this pans out, right? So, uh, Kish, Kish is Saul's father, says here that he was a mighty man of power. Uh, There doesn't seem to be a whole lot about him, but you can assume that he comes, a mighty man of power in that day, probably had a lot of livestock, a lot of wealth. He was probably a farmer, agricultural... uh, commerce, but we get the idea that Saul was raised by an influential, mighty and powerful man. So he understood those precepts of life. He understood leadership in that degree, I believe. But it does not infer that he may have done any leading uh, of his own up to that point. But it says that there's no more handsome of a man. So uh, that's called out a few times in the Bible, but it's declaring that Saul is like something to behold. Like this guy is tall, dark, and handsome, man. He's got it all, right? He is definitely the—he's uh, he, the profile that you would click on on a dating app, I guess, right? So, 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 Saul's the man, right? Average man, I think back then was like five six, and they said from skeletal remains and archaeology, and they they guess out of all the biblical texts that he was about six four, which is literally a giant there right? So, I, no offense, I'm not saying six four makes five six. you're a giant, you're not, whatever, I'm not picking on you, but I want you to realize that the heart of man, they're sitting there saying like, all right, at this time, the Philistines, they're their big enemy. They are the enemy of the people of God. They fight them, they took the ark, the, like just all this trouble from the Philistines, and they had a mighty man of valor from Gath, the giant Goliath, right? So, so they prized a tall, a powerful, a strong, uh, a capable warrior. So when they see this super tall guy that's taller and more handsome than anyone in the land, they're like, "Oh, ah, he's the one, right? Like, this is, this is providence, this is amazing. He's gonna fight, he's gonna be our big guy. Every team wants a choice guy, right? Everybody wants their Josh Allen, I get it. So. Uh, the thing is, is everybody wants that big guy, and he is just fitting the bill. So we built that up. Uh, so what happens here is uh, we've established who he is, the family he comes from, but now what's happened is, is Kish's donkeys have run away. They've, they, he, had a, he had a bunch of donkeys, a herd of donkeys. Now, I want you, you might think, like, that's crazy. Who cares? They're donkeys, right? Why are we doing this? Imagine you had a fleet of F-150s. And they all just disappeared. They'd be gone, right? You'd be you'd look for them, right? Well, back then a donkey was the thing that carried stuff. It, it, I mean, it was it was value, highly valuable to people that likely did what Kish did. So losing a fleet of your F-150 donkeys would be terrible. So you would send your capable, tall, strong, handsome son. Go and find them, right? So Kish tells him, Take a servant with you and go and look for the donkeys. And he was honorable to his father, and he's like, I'll do it. Are you sure. And he goes through and he's looking for his donkeys. And it says they did not find them. So they come there, and the servant says, Hey, let us read. Well, Saul says, Hey, We got to get out of here, like, we've been gone too long, they've been gone three days, the average man, they say, statistically can walk 20 miles, so you can assume after three days he's about 60 miles away from home, maybe, and uh, he's out there and Saul's like, look, we can't find these donkeys, my dad's actually going to start to worry that I'm dead, instead of just the donkey, so he's going to worry about that. So he worried about his father, and he's like, let's head back. And the servant jumps in, he's like, yo, listen, uh, there's this man, a city, uh, in the city, a man of God, and he's a notable man, this is verse 6, uh, uh, an honorable man, and all that he says surely comes to pass. So, I think that that's uh, a kind of a telling thing of the heart of Saul, because uh, the servant knew, that, and they're speaking of Samuel, of the man who was honorable and had a heart after God and all that he spoke came to pass. Like... Samuel was the judge of Israel. That would be like the President of the United States walking in here and you being like, like, I have no idea who this is, right? And and, and like like the fact that Saul didn't know Samuel was that man lets me know that at this time, he probably didn't have a real heart for his relationship with God or things of the religious nature rather. So uh, for the servant to do that, I think it's notable that uh, he was in tune with that and that, that set the course forward. So God is using somebody... I'm drawing an assumption here, but by the text, you can assume that God is using a person who is aware of God and things of the religious nature enough to use him to draw his friend who is not. So I jumped down. uh, This is, uh, they went down there and he's like, well, we got to go meet the, fine, let's go meet the the prophet of God, this honorable man who sees all things. And he's like, "Um, but we have nothing to bring him. We should bring him a fourth of a shekel. The servant says, I have a fourth of a shekel of silver, which is about 10 bucks today. And he's like, I'll give it to him. And uh, he'll tell us on our way. So they went looking for their donkeys. And they went pursuing a man of God to give them the sight, the prophetic view that God gave him to find their donkeys. (laughs) I think that's kind of awesome. Uh, God's concerned about donkeys too, right? So. Uh, verse 11, as they went up in the hill of the city, they met some young women going to draw water, and they said to him, Is the seer here? Back in that day, there's a footnote just above it. A seer was, uh, they were, a prophet was commonly called a seer before that. So they asked, Is the seer here? And, verse 12, and they answered, and he said to him, Yes. There he is, just ahead of you. Hurry now, for today he's come to the city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on a high place. I think this is cool. Uh, historically, uh, culturally, I think it's neat that same, uh, Saul and his servant stopped at a well and they asked the woman, uh, is the seer here? Typically, a woman would not have spoken to those men, especially in that culture and especially at that time. But remember, this guy is the most handsome guy in all the land. So it's kind of amazing that it elicits an answer from the woman because he is tall and he's a hottie, right? So he gets, he gets, he gets the answer, but God opens, <laughs> right? right? It is kind of interesting though. Like God's just kind of doing things and people are just kind of responding. They're doing their own thing. They're doing life. What I want you to catch here and there is that sometimes through the haphazard parts of your life, Just the doldrum day after day, the routine, the things that you're doing, the things that you're experiencing, the things that seem so insignificant, they're not even worth looking at. God is just standing there, just lacing through, just getting ready to pull it tight. He's involved in everything. He is part of everything that happens in your life. You still have free will. You are still choosing, but God is just sitting there like, all right, all right, this is good. I can do this, right? He's in charge, okay? So they went up to the hill, they point him to the seer, verse 15. Now the Lord told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came saying, tomorrow about this time I'm going to send you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. Ah, This is awesome. The Lord told Samuel in his ear. Okay. Samuel had a heart for God. He was in service to God. He had given his life to serving God. And this depicts to me that he had a relationship. I call this the law of fellowship. If you whisper in God's ear, he's going to whisper in yours. But you must take the time to connect yourself with God and speak to him. He's got so much to say to you okay? He's got so much to say to you, to direct you, and and he's with Samuel through this process, and he's following and leading Saul through this process, but he is talking. He is always talking. If you want to know what's going to happen in Praise Fellowship tomorrow or next month, or in your home, or in your school, or at your job, or in your life, start listening, because he is talking, okay? So, Samuel, uh, so when Samuel, uh, verse 17, so when Samuel saw, uh, so when Samuel saw Saul, man, that is a good one. They use that in the children's ministry. Uh, And the Lord said to him, there he is, the man whom I spoke of, he's the one that shall reign over my people. And then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, please tell me where the seer's house is. Samuel answered, I am the seer. Uh, And he tells him, we're gonna go up to the high place And you're going to eat with me today. And tomorrow I will let you go and I will tell you all that is in your heart. That's scary. I don't want someone to tell me all that's in my heart. I'll tell you that. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say a word. Oh, man. So anyway, so this is cool. Samuel sees him. He's been expecting him because he is listening to the voice of God. I'm telling you. You are going to miss things. God's got grace. He, won't, he, can't, be, uh, he can't be put off by our, our uh, mistakes, but I'm telling you, if you miss something, like, like Samuel knew he, had, he was an expectant heart. He was ready for this encounter with the man that God would show him. He was ready because he'd been listening to God, okay? So when he got to that point, he saw him, and he knew him, and he was ready for that moment. And he says, I'm going to tell you all that's on your heart. He confers to uh, confirms to Saul and his servant, listen, hey, I'm the guy you're looking for. I got everything you're looking for. We're going to work this out. But first, we're going to eat together. So Saul answered and said, oh, he goes down. He says, uh, your donkeys that were lost three days ago, don't be anxious about them. They've been found. Saul's like, whew. All right, my father's F-150s have been found. And on whom is the desire of Israel, he says. Is it not on you and all your father's house? And he's like, whoa. Like, if you have that in another translation, it's, it's, it's easier to read. But basically he's saying all the eyes of Israel are looking to you. They're looking to you. The kingdom of God is seeking you. You are the one that they've been waiting for. And he's just like, <gasps> and Saul answers and said, am I not a Benjaminite, the smallest of the tribes of Israel, my family, the least of the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why do you speak like this to me? Now, we know that he came from a family who his father, Kish, it says here, was a, a mighty man of power. So we know that his family wasn't Uh, powerless, and that they weren't poor, and not to behold, I mean, everybody probably knew who they were, but he's saying out of the tribes, they were the smallest, and he's the most insignificant, and right there, that is kind of a moment of humility for Saul, genuine humility, where I don't think that he's trying to play games, I think he's just like, me? Like, really? Like, you'd have to know that if you're the most handsome guy in Israel, the tallest of everybody, like, you'd have to have a little bit of awareness that you're kind of handsome, tall, and people like you, right? But here, he's kind of set back on his heels by the announcement of Samuel to him. Like, whoa, when God speaks something to you that you're not ready for, that may surprise you, sometimes it puts you in check. Like, whoa, dude, I'm just... Eric from Bemis Point. Like, what are you kidding me? Like, me? Or you? Or you? Or you? So the thing is, is Samuel answered, and he says, Am I not a Benjaminite, the smallest of the tribes? Now, it's funny, he sits, that, he sits here and says that, and immediately God spoke to me when I was reading this. And I thought of Gideon, who was on the threshing, he was threshing wheat. And uh, the angel of the Lord said, You mighty man of valor. And he said, Am I not the least in my clan? And my clan is the weakest. In, in, in Manasseh. And then he, when God spoke to Moses and he says, I can't stand before Pharaoh. I can't even speak straight, right? Or, or when he goes to Paul and he's like, Paul, I'm going to use you. I'm going to build mighty, mighty things through you, Paul. And he's like, I, I'm less than all, the least of all the saints, right? And, and I just sit there and I think about this feeling that the people of God get when you finally get called. When you get called up to the big leagues, right? It's like, whoa. Like, now I don't want you to think that that's like, oh, you got to be a pastor, you got to do this, you do that. Every moment of every day, God is waiting to call you. You're in a coffee shop, God's got somebody sitting there, boom, I'm calling you. Whoa, I can't speak right. I can't go to that, write a letter to them. I can't visit them in a hospital. I can't give this person who's hurting the gospel of Jesus. I'm just Eric from Bemis. Like, I can't do this right? God does that. He puts you in places that are way over our heads. He puts us on our heels with the magnitude of what he's doing, but I want you to know that he's in everything, right? And he calls people that he equips. He equips people that he calls, but he calls people who are willing to step. That's what I want to say. They're people who are willing to answer, willing to move when he moves them, okay? So, uh, There's also an authentic humility that I find around the people that God had called, like Jacob and Moses, you just name them all. These people have authentic humility. They know that divine power is in them, but it is not theirs, okay? So I want you to know that You are not insignificant. You are not too tiny. You are not too uneducated, too poor, too rich. I don't care where you are, what you are. God placed you here. He put stuff, a holy, holy spirit in you that can do immeasurable. Nothing can stop the work of the Lord in His creation. And you are a direct conduit to that authority and power right here in your homes, in your workplaces, and in this community. You are not small. You are mighty, mighty people of valor. And you need, we need to get a hold of that, own it, and let it compel us to do mighty, mighty things. Okay? So, so it was. Uh, it, so Samuel he tells him uh, so he's, he feeds him or he brings him in and he puts him to like gives him a place to sleep culturally they let him sleep up on the roof uh, the roof is a meeting place as some of us have been to the Middle East they love the they love the roofs like the roofs in the evening it's cool breeze they've got little huts up there and they'll hang out so he puts Saul up there he lets him get some sleep and rest and it says then he arose and both of them went outside he and Samuel verse 27 as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go ahead of us. And he went on, and you stand there a while that I may announce to you the word of God. This is awesome. Samuel, the man of God, tells Saul, who knows nothing of what's going on right now? He, he, he's he's been told you're the choice person. Why are you talking to me to this? He's on his heels. He's like, this is crazy. I came looking for some donkeys, man. I got this crazy old man who's old and you know crotchety and grumpy, and he just he just he now he wants to tell me all the stuff, and he's like, he told me everything that's on my heart. But he tells his servant, you go ahead, you wait here. And I'm going to announce to you the word of God. A few things. Sometimes you have to wait for God, what God has for you and what God wants to speak into you. The other thing is, is I want you to be the type of people who are faithful to speak and announce the word of God into other people you have a hand in delivering the the prophetic words of God into other people. It can be encouragement. It can be guidance. It can be instruction. It can be teaching. Whatever it is, whatever God gives you, be open to share what you know with other people. Because if you have a direct link with God, you can bet that he's going to try to talk to you and talk to them, and you're both going to grow from it. I uh, I think that it's amazing that... uh, he wanted to, to wait so that he could announce the word of God over him. And it made me think, like, am I spending enough time waiting and, and, and spending my time talking with God? Because I know that he has a word that he wants to speak over every single one of you every morning, every day. Like, I don't care if you do it in the morning, in the night, right before dinner, whatever, in the shower, uh, wherever you do it. Spend that time with God. Because he has, the one thing that he put on my heart is he has something for every one of you every single day that will direct your steps. And how often do the heart of people and the heart of man and the heart of God's people say, God, you haven't told me anything. You've been so quiet. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know why this is happening. And God is sitting there saying, I have been trying to get to you and talk to you and tell you how we're going to do this for so long but you just haven't been quiet and still and you haven't been listening. We just need to grab a hold of that. We need to spend our days with God. So the next thing is, is uh, Samuel takes a flask of oil and he pours it on his head, right? This is a, a private anointing. He is anointing Saul, the king, right there. He's just like, boop, 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 boop. So uh, he pours it on him, this happens, and then he goes, which is kind of cool, like, uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole uh, sermon in that verse alone about the oil and the choice of oil, like the pagans did. Uh, they, they also used to anoint their kings right? But they would use the, the fat, the rendered fat of animals, and they would pour it on them and say like a bull or a lion or whatever. And you're going to have this, and they thought it imbued those things of the animal into the king. But like God's people use the olive oil. They're, I encourage you to look into that. It's amazing. But he anoints Samuel, or Samuel anoints Saul. And in this moment, uh, he kissed him and he said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb. And he goes on to tell him these crazy, ex- extremely detailed things that are going to happen. And they're going to say to you, you know, the, the donkeys which you've been looking for, they've been found. And and he's going to go forward from there. And you're going go to go uh, to the terebinth tree of Tabar. Uh, Tabar. And there, uh, three men uh there are three men going up to God at Bethel are going to meet you, and one's going to have young goats, the other one carrying loaves of bread, and the other one having a skin of wine, and they're going to greet you, and you're going to have two loaves of bread, and uh, which you'll receive from them, and you'll come onto the hill of the Philistine garrison, and it'll happen. When you have come there to the city, you'll meet a group of prophets and they'll be coming from the high place of stringed instruments, a tambourine, a flute, a harp, and they will be prophesying. Now that is super, super detailed. I can tell you right now, I don't remember to this point, God's given me directions like that. (laughs) That is super detailed, but what he wants to convey to you, what I want to convey to you and what he's telling Saul is I am in the details. I am in every single step of the way. This lets them know, this lets the servant and Saul, this let them know that this is God's hand doing this. I will tell you what I am going to do so that there is no questioning that this is my hand moving this, that this is my will, right? So Saul totally knows what's going on, hopefully and indefinitely. Uh, this is God conveying to him that I am in the details and I am incredibly intentional. God is incredibly intentional in your lives. He's incredibly intentional to every detail. Then it goes into verse six. I love this. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be turned into another man and let it be. That when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. So we can assume, you know, it says here that when the Spirit of God comes upon you, it you will become, you'll be turned into another man. Now I don't necessarily, I'm not going to argue this, but I don't necessarily mean that that means that he was saved per se in that moment. But I do believe that he might have been given a measure of leadership that God said, I know what I have for you in your future, and in this moment, I'm going to touch you with my Holy Spirit and I'm going to prepare you for the works that I. I am going to use you for. I could use that in my life. I know we could. I know right now that when the Spirit of the Lord touches you and your heart, you will become a changed person. You give up your life and serve Him, your life will change exponentially. The power of a living God inside of you is going to change your life and it's going to change the life of people around you. The difference God makes inside of you should make a difference around you. And he's telling you that you are going to be changed when you encounter God. So verse 9, so it was when he turned back uh, to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that God gave him another heart. And I don't know what he did in his heart, but I know in mine, he He could change it and change me make me confident in what God's made me to be. It it could be believing in all the things that have been spoken over my life that God has ordained for me. I don't know what he did to Saul, but praise the Lord that the, the, the God of heaven touched him and made him into another man and changed his heart. He is involved. Now, we all know it's funny because as uh, old, New Testament Christians, we get to look back and sit there and you're already hanging an ax over Saul's head. You're already like, dude, I know what happened to him. He tried to kill David, tried to kill his son. He, he was a mess. He, he went insane. He disobeyed God. God departed from him. But in this moment, God is still radically committed to that guy being the answer to fulfilling his will. It was Saul's choice that led Saul from God, okay? So in this moment, we know that God touched him. We know that he was a choice vessel of the Lord. And it says all those signs came to pass that day, and all the prophets and all the things that they saw happened, Okay? And that was a signpost. He knew everything that it had said had declared, that were declared had happened. And I just want to declare over you the things that God has spoken over you and over this ministry and over all of you of God's people, He will bring them to pass. God is faithful. All, it says, and it happened when all who knew Him formerly saw that He had indeed prophesied among the people that the people said to one another, What is that that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? And this is sitting there making me realize that the change that Christ makes in you is going to make a radical change in who you become. People are going to see the hand of God in your life, and you are going to be a shining light in a very, very dark world. Okay? So Jesus is radically committed to change your life the holy spirit is going to get you there okay and and when that happens people are going to notice okay people are going to see the change in the presence and the power of god when it falls on a person and there will be radical change and that happens here and it happens in our region and i keep saying it in our homes and our schools and all the places that god puts us okay so he's a changed man and uh, so Saul told uh, so Saul said to his uncle, man, that whole Saul thing is getting me today. He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found and the, all the matters of the kingdom, and he didn't tell them about being anointed and the, the things that Samuel had said. But going into verse 17, Samuel, uh, we're in 10 now, chapter 10, verse 17. Then Samuel called to the people together, the Lord of Mishpah, uh And said to the children of Israel, thus says the Lord God of Israel. And he's saying, you know, God's saying, I have brought you up out of Egypt. I have defended you. I've given you everything that you've needed. I've protected you, blessed you. I've given you provision. And and I've done all these things for you. But you have rejected your God today. And he says, now therefore, present yourselves. And, and, And they still said to him, no, set a king over us. It was like that last warning. It's like, are you sure you really want to do this? And he's like, yes. He's like, the people of God said, set a king over us, set a king over us. And therefore, present yourselves to the Lord uh, by tribes and clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was cho- chosen. And when they had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near to their families, the family of uh, Metri was chosen, and the son Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they had sought him, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further, has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is hiding among the equipment. (laughs) (laughs) So, so picture this, you're, you're Israel. You're like, nope. we want to be like everybody else. I want a King. I I don't, I I love you God, but I don't care what's happened. We want to be like everyone else. We want a King. And he's like, all right. Here he is. He's the guy hiding back there behind the equipment, right? So, so it's kind of a thing. It's funny like what what immediately impacted me is Saul was looking for donkeys. That's what he was doing. God was looking for a king. Okay? In your life, you will be following donkeys. You will be doing things that you're just doing in your daily life. And God is standing there saying, I am going to make something amazing out of you. I am going to change the world with you. I'm going to do something incredible with you. And the minute you hear that, you're going to be like, but I'm just so-and-so from here. I've got no this, this, that. You're going to come up with every excuse possible. And when God keeps pushing and people keep prophesying and speaking into you and lifting you. You know what's going to happen? Sometimes we're going to hide from the inevitable. Sometimes we're going to hide from what God's calling us to. We're going to see the destiny that God has for us and it's going to scare the crud out of us and we're going to hide from it. But you know what's really cool about this? It wasn't Samuel or the people of Israel that said, there he is. That was the thundering voice of God. There he is. God ratted him out. God (laughs) drew Saul out from behind the equipment. Sometimes we hide from our destiny, but you cannot hide from God. You cannot hide from what God wants to do in your life. You can't hide from the glory of his will and the plan that he wants to include you in. You have free will. You can choose not to be a part of it, but I promise you, God's got a plan for you. We need to come out from behind the equipment. We need to stand tall. We need to be filled with the spirit that'll change our heart and change our person. We need to receive what God has for us so that he can give to other people. God drew Saul out. He's the one that called him out and 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 what's crazy about that is is in that moment Saul actually the gravity of what everybody's been speaking to a man who is just Going to find his dad's donkeys is just sitting there like this is a lot, uh, right? But we know that the prophet had spoken over him, has said some mighty and great and wonderful things over him, and then the reality of what was going to happen hit him. And there is a part in the Word of God in Matthew, it says it in Mark, that anxiety chokes the Word. When you get anxious, when you forget what it, what, what, what you're doing, when you get caught up and overwhelmed with the circumstances of the world and the life that you're living and the things that are happening around you, you forget the God-ordained things that have been spoken over you. The God-ordained things that have been spoken into you. The God-ordained things that are coming from his word. Anxiety choked the truth of who he was. And he was trembling behind a bunch of equipment. We can't Let God's word go through us and not impact us. We have to believe what God is going to do. I believe with all my heart, like the reason I was going to preach about this is like, I believe with all my heart that this place is going to be super impactful in the region. I believe with all my heart. It's why every time AJ calls it says, Hey, you want to do it? I'm like, Yes, 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 yes. I want to be a part. I want to see what's going to happen. I want to see what God's going to do. I want to proclaim over you the glory of the Lord. There's nothing that can stop His will in creation, and you are. going to be a part of it. We need to all collectively come out from behind the garrison and the equipment and the gear and receive what God has for us. We need to be readily talking to the Lord God Almighty and hear what he is saying to us so that not only we are directed each and every step because the heart of man plans his way but the Lord directs his steps, right? The Word of God, the people around you are going to direct this body. God is going to direct you each day through all the little donkey chasing things that we do. And you're going to arrive somewhere. And when you get caught back at the magnitude of what you actually have to do, remember, God is there. He's in the details. He cares about what you're doing. The very last thing I'm going to end with. He goes in. He says, you know, he gets him out of the equipment they get him back over there, and it says, and Saul went home to Gibeah, and the valiant men went with him, and valiant men went with him, whose hearts had turned, or who God had touched, whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him, and they brought him no presents. Oh. Aw. <laughs> then he held his peace, right? <laughs> so what's, what's cool there is... Uh, Saul was a point, anointed king. Called out in front of all the people, and they, like I said, like I didn't go into it. Uh, deep or anything, but like we're talking, this is a massive, massive change for this nation. We've had priests, we've had prophets, we've had judges, and now we've got a king. Like this is the first time this has ever happened, right? And they anoint him, they, the, the mighty coronation, they call him out, they bring him up front. Here he is, everybody. Here's our, here's our guy, right? And in here, God saw fit to say that he sent valiant men with him, God put valiant men with him. Whatever you need to do in this body, in this region for the cause of Christ, he is going to bring valiant men and women along with you. He is going to bring people that are with you. And it says there were people that liked him. There were people that hated him. That's going to happen. You're going to have people talk trash. doesn't matter what you do. In your lives, in your homes, doesn't matter. You're going to have people that are doggy down. Oh, that guy, oh, this, that, and every other thing. You're going to have the people that are like, oh, they're the greatest thing in the whole world. These people are amazing. I love them, right? Never believe your own headlines. Never. Never believe your own headlines. You're not greater than anybody, and you are also not going to believe the headline that you are nothing, right? What you want to find is what he said in here, the men and women that God has turned their hearts towards them. Those are the ride or die people. Those are the people you hang with, right? Don't listen to the headlines. Find the people, bind together, and do what God's got for this region, all right? All right. I believe in this body, and I know that this word will, will, will lead us through all those crazy moments and all those years of wondering and asking ourselves, like chasing donkeys and doing irrelevant things and feeling like our wheels are spinning, but trust me, God is at work. He is moving. His hand is in every single detail of every one of your lives in this body and in this region, and he is going to make a massive, massive radical change in this region. And I just want you to be ready for it. Let me pray for us. Father God, I just thank you so much for an opportunity to speak to your people. God, I just thank you for uh, the gifts that you're pouring on these people. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you multiply the gifts in this room in the powerful name of Jesus right now. I pray for a special anointing, that you would just give these people purpose, that you would give them a knowledge of who and what they are in the kingdom of God, what you've made them to be. Lord, help them to see your intricate, mighty, powerful, and divine hand in all of the the simple things in life that we overlook, Lord. Let us see your glory in the mundane, Lord. And when you call us to those high, mighty places, Lord, I just want to give you glory. And I just want to just make sure that we're commissioned to carry your banner and your standard in this community, in this body, and in our own homes, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the power and authority you have given. fellowship, Lord, and I just pray that you just lay your hand and your spirit on this body uh, and just just heavily, Lord, just protect them as they build and grow and do, Lord. Hedge your protection around each and every one of these saints, Lord. We just thank you so much for this day and the rest of our day that we're going to enjoy, and we just ask you to be an ever-present part of our life. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. amen.